Welcome to the Rick Roberts School of Laughs podcast, where we aim to make you bigger, better, and more bookable. From the aspiring comedian to the part-time pro, this is the podcast for you. We'll talk all things comedy from the page to the stage, and now it's showtime. Welcome to the School of Last podcast. This is Rick Roberts. I hope you've checked out a few of our episodes in the past. We're uh, getting deeper into it now and getting a good feel for it. And this is what we call one of our comedy campfire podcasts, where we are after a class here in Nashville. We just had the second session of the writing class, and some people have stuck around with some further questions about what they learned about tonight and some stuff in general that I'm sure you're going to find interesting. So if this is the first podcast you've ever listened to, sometimes it's like this. Sometimes I'm interviewing people one-on-one. And other times, I just can't wait to tell you something, and it's just me. So there's kind of three different ways this thing rolls. <laughs> but if you see Comedy Campfire, this is the kind of podcast it is. And with me is our producer, Hello. Gavin Miller. How's it going, Gavin? Pretty good. Pretty good. I, uh, I've taken the class, the writing class, at least twice, and then have just finished the performance class. So uh, I this week, this past week, I took the huge step of actually getting out there and doing my first open mic first open mic knocked it, it was, out yeah it, and <laughs> let's, let's break it down oh god how it, much how much material did you bring to the stage all right so here's what i did i from the writing class i think i wrote too much i wrote like war and peace and i was trying to fit it on three by five cards and then i realized uh that wasn't gonna work so i took out uh half the material and i really wrote like i had i guess four minutes or whatever to do so i had i probably wrote myself a minute and a half and then just figured i would fill out the rest with you know pauses and that kind of thing um it worked okay i need to be a better writer um like in which way more concise or more specific in your setups yeah more here's the thing that i that I didn't re- when I took the writing class the first time, I heard you say it, but I didn't fully. It didn't sink in, which was you gotta know the basics before you can. It's like you gotta learn to walk before you can run, and I needed to do more setup punch stuff. I just needed to like pra- get reps doing the easy stuff so that I could do the the harder stuff. I was trying to jump, trying to make too fast, too big of a jump. And uh, so that, I think, was my downfall a little bit. Um, And so I tried to write some just much easier where I knew I I could just hold on to getting to a punchline. That was the toughest part. So scaling down the the setup to where it's a little tighter for you to understand and for the crowd to follow. Yeah. I didn't realize that that my brain was going to be shaken like an etch-a-sketch yeah <laughs> the like the first time i stood up there it felt like i knew what i was gonna say until my foot hit the stage and then i looked up there i took the mic out of the stand like i've seen other people do and then i just looked at the audience and i went oh my god i don't what am I doing here? I'm a failure. Like, right. you know, and then, but I remembered like from the writing class, just remember the setup and the punch, just the setup and the punch. And so that's what I did. And that, that worked better. It got me through. 
it that and I got a blue ribbon at the end. I don't know what that means. Pet I don't blue know. Ribbon or a blue know, ribbon or no, an actual physical blue ribbon from the MC. I don't know. <laughs> and maybe some new cause I'm not yeah, familiar with. Yeah, yeah, to help help out a needy comic. Yeah, well, that's but, interesting. I mean, uh, a couple of things that I'm, I'm hearing, and, and this is true even when I I've been doing this for over 20 years. I always make sure before the show starts that I know the first thing I'm going to say and ideally the last thing I'm, sa- I'm going to say, although that can change right. depending on the audience. But if I walk up there and just feel like I'm going to wing it every time at the beginning, you need to establish your funny as soon as possible in a comforting way to you and authentic yeah. to you, but get that first laugh under your belt so you can relax a little bit. And there were shows back in the day where I'd be running around, you know, we do three shows at a comedy club on Saturday. And like the third show came around, and we we're talking in the green room, and I wasn't ready for my first couple of lines, and it, it always backfired if I didn't have those first things ready. Right. Not every comic's going to work that way, but for me, it helps to know exactly that first couple of jokes, and then I can piece together my show from my material from that. That was totally it. I had I I was sitting there with my index cards, and actually I went through the process of sitting there with all the loud noise going on. I was number nineteen. Would, not, oh. I, not ideal. Yeah. Not ideal, out of, but out of nineteen or uh, out of like twenty-one. So oh, it was, okay, it you was, did all right. It was fairly late uh, <laughs> in the evening, but but I wrote every single thing down on a card while I was waiting. I think twice just to try to memorize uh-huh. the parts, and then I knew I I knew I had like two twenty-second set uh, or little bits, and I knew I could hit those, and if I hit those right, I would be good for the next couple parts, and and that was all about the just scaling down in the writing and like the editing process you know that we had been talking about in the writing class was like editing things out you start with all this information and then you edit parts out and that was like i knew that i was like these will be good and they won't kill me they won't like you know run me off with a pitchfork right well there's a couple of things you can do to get your material whittled down especially if you find that you write you write like you would write a book as opposed to writing like a stand-up that's me um Say, you know, you're married, and we've talked right, about yeah. that before. If your wife is, is still cool with you running stuff by her, even at this yeah, stage. Yeah, I found out not so much. Yeah, so find, not so much. find somebody else, <laughs> tell them your bit, and then have them repeat back to you what you're trying to say. Right. And that's always the question we come back. What am I trying to say? And just say that. So you might have uh, 15, 20 sentences t- to this joke, but right. really all you're trying to say is one thing. Yeah. So it's taking those 10 sentences at the beginning and just making one solid premise. And you may have had six different premises in there. They're not going to follow all that different thinking. Right. And that's kind of how – that's what I actually ended up writing on my card that I went up with. I just went up with one 3 by 5 index card because I figured if I couldn't remember that, I should just leave. Right. And, uh, and so I actually put on there uh, – it was weird. It said, like, legs, eyes, and then it said life is hard, and then uh, beanbag. There and you go. That, it was literally just that was my set. That, that was my first set list too. What the hey heck? man, are you going oh through my, my stuff? <laughs> I had it in a different order. I started yeah. off with eyes, eyes and worked my yeah. way up to legs, and then back down. But to, it was like I could remember. I could remember the first sentence out of each one of those things right. and the topic, and it, I knew I could hit those. And that's why the doing the progression from the writing course into the performance course is like perfect. I mean, it's perfect. Now that I've been on stage, I've realized as I was doing it how perfect the like, you know, the setup of those classes. Yeah, know, good because you know not everybody likes to take the performance class, and some people have done open mics before they take the writing class, and obviously some Do people it. never take any kind of class. But the the reason that I, I 
I kind of require, with very few exceptions, that you've taken the writing class before you do the performance, or have a year or so of performance or more, right? So that they get something out of it. Yeah. Um, but I have so many people don't want to take the writing class at all that have never written and never been take on stage, it. and they just want to do the performance class only. I'm like, I'm going to start building the house from brick one with you. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff you just have to kind of get through in the writing class. Just yeah. the terminology. I can't tell you to fix a joke with this type of technique if you don't even know what the technique is. Well, I didn't know what I was doing the first time. You saw me. I, or, you know, when we we're doing the, oh, the performance it was, class. It was yes. terrible. It, it was it worse was than a train wreck. Cause at least I know a train had a track, and you were just like. It was terrible. It was, I held onto the microphone stand. I was gripping the microphone. Yeah, like was, I was trying to squeeze the life out of it, uh, talking way too much. Um, but, no, it, <laughs> it, it, ended up, it ended up going really well, and, and uh, I was super super glad i had done the performance class because i could feel myself not doing a lot of the things that we had talked about in the class like like yeah i changed i was in the middle of the set and changed the grip on my microphone stand and i thought just hit the punchline if i can remember that last punchline i can get out of here <laughs> right yeah there's a, there's a million things to think about when you're up there but the material is is the bottom it's the foundation of everything if you there's no way you can be a great performer with, with horrible material. Yeah. And it sounds like you know what you want to do with your material. It's just kind of getting it tightened up a little bit so you can deliver it and, in bite-sized pieces. And I think the writing class, uh, too, like started a process which had only kind of been floating around in my mind, which was trying to figure out in a, a setup punch format like who I was. You know, and that was that definitely like came to light in the writing class because it was like I couldn't – I didn't know – who I was in terms of the, in terms of the, you know, the material I was writing. Right, right. And, you know, you don't know that until you start writing in a professional way and telling other people. And you know, well, you got that first one out of the way. So yeah, now, God. now the next one will be twice as easy and Ooh. then progressively better. So yeah, sounds yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. sounds yeah. good. I'm glad to hear you getting out there. But maybe we can get some other questions from. from We've some got yeah, here. we got some folks sticking around from the class. So if anybody would like to come up and grab the mic and ask a question. Uh, feel free to do so. Don't grab the mic. Just leave it where it sits. Yeah, these are his mics. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, somebody coming up. Just come on up. This is uh. Come out. Is it okay if I tell him your name? Sure. Okay. This is Mike Spencer. Uh, this is the second class of the the three writing classes. But we we didn't know each other before this, so I'm curious to see what's on your mind. Sitting in the back row. I'm not reading you from all the way up here right. yet. Well, uh, going over the material from the first week of class. Um, and then finally, understanding the structure of a joke. I realize that people have told me I'm funny, but I realize I'm someone who's kind of spontaneously funny. So other people, I rely on other people for the setup. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, yeah. So you're at the party, they say something, and you come back. Right. Uh-huh. So uh, I'm wondering what, what is the advice for you know, making the transition from uh, having other people set you up and just thinking of something funny or having it come to you and uh, actually having to write your own setups. Yeah, well, you know, what's great here is you've got a system now that actually works and we can tap into. You know, somebody says something and you react to it. So they're the, they're the straight man, if you want to say it that way, and you're the funny person on stage. On stage now, it's going to be just you. So all you have to do is bring the other person into the story real quickly. You know, I was talking to my mom the other day and she said this. She sets it up, boom, you hit the punchline, and pretty quickly we'll see where your your point of view is coming from. Now, there may be a point where you start getting more comfortable on stage and in your writing to where you're bringing in these premises and things. But if they're setting you up with stuff, there's no reason. Actually, you don't even have to say that they said it. Right. You know, you know, if you had an example where somebody said something about something in the news, you could just 
do the setup and and be your own straight man so the the key thing though is is capturing those moments when they do happen right so kind of writing stuff down yeah if you're at work and they happen um i always when i have my day job kept a notepad with me really handy and if something funny happened i wrote it down i didn't care if i got fired because my ultimate goal was to not have a job anymore (laughs) but i kept the notepad ready and i wrote it down and then when i had more time i would expand on it at home and and develop it more if i'm on the phone with somebody you know and Mm -hmm. i say something i get a lot of i when i talk to other comics i'm never trying to be funny with other comics but i'll say things like dude you should put that in your act and i used to disregard that thinking they're just being nice or whatever but now i'm like i'm getting very specific feedback from a professional in my field and they're trying to help me out i will try it out of my act you know and it just took me a while of being comfortable doing some of that of my own you know even though i wasn't sitting down consciously writing a joke i said something that was funny so i gotta keep you gotta keep all that it's different for everybody for me premises are a little harder than the punchlines. Mm-hmm. Once I get the premise, I can go punchlines all day long. But there'll be days where I sit there and I'm not developing any premises. You know, that other people, that's their forte, that they can think up of concepts all day long, but they're not putting the punchlines with it. Right. So right now, it's I definitely would keep a, keep a journal, keep a log, and whatever, whatever you said specifically that got a laugh, if you could write down the way you said it even, mm-hmm. um, that's gonna be, it's gonna be key. Okay. But I think if you get enough of those and you get up on stage and you get comfortable, the other stuff will open up to you. All right. But you're in a good spot. You're getting some laughs and other people are writing for you. So <laughs> I, I want to hang out with your friends yeah. and try to get a new hour. <laughs> but good right, stuff. Thanks. thanks, Mike. Andrew, this is Andrew Davis coming up. Andrew is, has been doing comedy for maybe a, a little over a year. Yeah. Is that correct? Yep, a little over a year. And he, is, he kind of took the writing class. He got in on the very end of it last time, but now he's been able to take it kind of more from the beginning to the end. Yeah, so, it took like half of it the first time i was like i should probably learn how to write jokes after a year and a half of trying so yeah so i'm curious from your angle after a year and a half you know what things have you found useful uh, in the class whether it's from conversation or the worksheets that have helped you kind of turn the corner on, on some material before i took the class before i we talk about all the different kinds of humor and kind of jokes and beforehand i was just kind of writing jokes and and just you know maybe it'd be funny but sometimes they were just goofy thoughts that weren't funny up in front of people but now that i'm able to like write i'm able to look at the exact how to write jokes we talk about wordplay and puns and uh you know the premise punchline and tags and now when i'm writing i'm not just writing a funny thought i'm actually thinking okay how can i take this funny thought and turn it into a joke which is really helpful because it's kind of like it's essentially it'd be the same as if i never knew how to swim and i jumped in a pool and just i'll figure it out as i'm going on now i know how to swim a little bit jump into the pool right. and get a little bit better at it so yeah you can do it either way but it's like to me it's like any kind of you know sport all these there i know a ton of guys that are great in the, the gym rats they can hit three pointers from midcourt 10 in a row but they'll never be on a team because they just didn't find a way to fit into the system so knowing all the techniques and knowing how the how the jokes are structured you, you just have a lot more success i think with it yeah and taking it a second time helps a lot too because the first time i took it i i a couple i went to half the classes and like it helped a little bit but i didn't really know what i was learning you know i, I was like oh this will help later but now i've done it for like a year and a half and i'm going back and like hearing things that you're saying in the class or the stuff we're doing in the workshops it's I'm able to adopt that with my own material and, and make stuff better or understand more. Okay, that's why that was funny. Maybe I can take that concept and put it to different jokes that aren't working. Excellent. So that helps. 
Cool. But none of that's the question that I was going to ask. Uh, no, that's <laughs> fine. No, that's uh, that's valuable for me to hear, so I can kind of tweak things as I go with the classes. So, so what's your question tonight? So, at the end of our class today, we were talking briefly about like I think you were talking about like making T-shirts and marketing, and then mm-hmm. you also mentioned like how you're big. You know, since we're like we're in the days where you don't just have to go to comedy clubs, like you can do like internet broadcasting and stuff like that. And you mentioned how you do like seri- like you're on serious and how that helped. So, like my question was like you know obviously T-shirts and blogging that's easy enough. But how do you get to the point where, like, you're on Sirius and, like, Pandora? Like, maybe, like, what's the process of doing that? And also, like, when should you start putting stuff up? Okay. Uh, three good questions in there. So if I get off track, come back. Pandora, Sirius, and how long is when? long yeah. enough and when? Okay, so let's start with when. I think almost all performers in comedy feel like you have to have an hour of comedy before you have a product. You have to have an hour of solid comedy before you're a headlining act. But if you have a 20 to 30 minutes of solid material, you can get work as a comic. And if you're on stage, you should be recording those sets, those 20 and 30 minute sets. Now, would you sell a CD that's only 20 or 30 minutes? Probably not. But would you look around at your friends that are doing comedy and they've got 20 minutes as well, or they've got 30 minutes? Why don't three of you put your best 20 minutes on a CD, pay for them to get pressed, sell them after shows every show you go to you're promoting the other two comedy buddies that you have every show they go to they're promoting you we're all making money we split the cost of a cd three ways if you get a thousand cds now uh if you've got the production done that that can be fairly cheaply done um getting the live show but once you get impressed you can get over a thousand cds for eight hundred dollars so you go in with three buddies 300 bucks a piece and you've all got 333 cds to go out and sell as soon as you sell a handful of those you made your money back really quickly so it's never too early at 15 to 20 minutes of solid material you're ready for some kind of product to get it on pandora uh, there's a submission process you go through basically you send them a cd they have somebody either listen to it or plug it into this logarithm system but if it sounds good and you're getting laughs and the cd is on amazon i think is the key if people can go buy it then they'll put it up yeah. You may or may not need a, um, a scan code, a QR code, I can't remember, but they do need to be able to purchase it because that's how they make some of their back-end right. money. For Sirius XM, they have uh, a few different comedy channels on their, on their stations. And I don't know how many people out there listen to Sirius XM, but they have Laugh USA, which is 100% clean. They have Blue Collar Radio, which is clean and a little bit of edgy, but nothing really too, too rough. They have Raw Dog, and that's... that's you can expect some material with some edgy content and some some language in that they have a canadian station comedy central has a station on there now so there's basically five so what i would do let's say i'm you and my two buddies i I did the cd with were all clean i would send to the the producer the director of the comedy division and put my cd in there and i would write on the outside in big black letters excellent for laugh usa so they know right off the bat what they're getting then they'll have somebody listen to it. I don't know how frequently they, they take the big bucket of CDs and go listen to them, hmm. but they'll listen to them and they'll decide this is good for Life USA or, or this isn't good for Life USA, and they'll toss it. And if they keep it, it takes a while to get into their system and their rotation, but once you do, you can collect royalties from that. So to back it up a little bit, once you have a CD, you and your two buddies, 20 minutes apiece, before you send it to anybody, you go to soundexchange.com and register your CDs. Um, they'll ask you tons of questions, including your bank account. So when you get royalties, they can direct deposit into it 
and if you make over 500 bucks a month you get it every month if you uh, get it less than that you won't get it deposited every month you'll get it quarterly so you know how much material do you feel you have now that's solid you could probably do solid 20 minutes okay so, so you might be starting to look around for another couple yeah. of people and ideally find two other comics and you're pretty unique um, you can tell by your voice for sure, yeah. right? Everybody listening out there, he's got a unique voice. But try to find two other comics that are completely different than you. Uh, I'd find a female comic and whoever she, else you think their material and their delivery is completely different. So that when people buy that CD, they're Again, getting... like a good mix. Yeah, they're not just getting you plus two other guys that sound like you. And that and everywhere they go is, they go is going to be maybe a different market than you would get into without their help. Yeah, that's that's a good way. That's a lot of help. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's um, I, I can't emphasize enough how helpful getting played on Sirius XM is. Not only do the royalty checks come in, and, and those are nice if you get enough airplay, but this year alone, what are we, we're, in, we're recording this in May, yeah. and I've got, I have booked seven gigs this year from people that have heard me on either Life USA or Blue Collar. Oh, cool. Uh, not surprisingly, two of them were trucking industry. <laughs> you know, they hear them all the day driving, and they say, hey, we're gonna have a party, who should we have? Get that Rick Roberts guy. Um, another was a Salvation Army retreat where they bring in all their leaders to retreat into that camp. It was awesome. And he heard me two years ago and found me online because he saw my name come up on Sirius all the time. So highly recommend it. At the point where you feel your material strong, get it out okay, there. Okay, cool. I'll look into that. Thanks. Excellent. Next coming up, we got Patrick. Patrick, your last name, how do you it's say it? Ebbett. Ebbett, okay. Yeah, I'm on the hot seat now. Well, I have two questions. First, tell them a little bit about have you done comedy at all before? Or is no, this your first not class? At okay. All. Yeah, so figure out, like you said, build a foundation, do the writing class, then do the performance class. So, um, one thing I found really fascinating is you brought up how CHK sounds, they're, they get bigger laughs, they're funnier. Have you noticed, I guess, any. Like, is it different with different regions of the country or populations, cultures, or anything like that? Um, have you noticed, like, a difference, I guess? So. That's a good question. So he's talking about the hard K sound. A lot of comics, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people get last when they drop the F-bomb, and, and part of it's because it's somewhat shocking. Some of it's because of that K sound on the microphone. It's very percussive. You can mm -hmm. hear it if you're listening right now. Right? So we talked about finding different jokes and amp up our punchlines using that. So you're wondering if I go to different parts of the country and notice that they pick up on different sounds as well. Mm -hmm. I haven't really noticed too much. I mean, when it comes to alliteration, that hard K or the CH put together really kind of packs a punch. Um, P's, you know, if you do a bunch of hard pop sounds in the middle, they pop on a microphone, you know, and they have to have these filters to block them out. So it's very percussive, yeah. and that gets their attention too. Um, so outside of those two, there's nothing that really jumps yeah. out at me. There are different... Um, areas of the country where you go into and, and there's some slang that comes into play um, responses I remember just just not hearing things normally like I did a show in upper, the upper peninsula of Michigan which hangs out almost in Canada right uh -huh. and I was with my improv group and we were asking for a suggestion of something you might find on a beach pretty wide open question and a guy yelled out troop lotta and I was like what? he said troop lotta I'm like what? he said troop I go, I'm from the South. How would I say? He goes, trout bladders. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, I had to, I didn't, you know, yeah. and that was, I should have maybe picked up on that. And you go up New England's very heavy with that stuff, too. Mm -hmm. um, but the South is, I don't know, there's a great Tim Wilson thing you could YouTube, the differences in Southern dialects. And he goes through about nine of them from Georgia to Alabama to Mississippi to Louisiana that I never even picked up yeah. on. But his ear was so trained at hearing them. 
But when it comes down to the hard case, then it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty much the hardest one to beat. And my uh, second question is, is there a certain trend that you see with open micers or something where you're just like, oh, no, another hipster, uh, you know, comedian or something like a overplayed trend that you notice a lot? What I notice more than anything, and it's, and it's true everywhere of all you know, time periods, the past 20 decades, whoever the most famous comics are, a lot of comics that are new try to sound like them mm-hmm. more than a style it's it's you know people doing that second voice like jim gaffigan does yeah uh even now there's a ton of ton of comics that have actually moved on and, and they're the well-known now that are kind of using mitch hedberg and stephen wright's delivery and there was a ton of guys that sounded like david tell when he first started and they people hear him they think he's funny so they try to write jokes just like him yeah so that's natural when you first start but it's something to be aware of that you kind of want to separate yourself or else people Everywhere you're performing, like, he's, he's trying to sound like Hedberg or he's trying to sound like Cattell or whatever. Finding the way you sound and the way that that works is the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. It might take a while to get there. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably pretty hard because they're the reasons why you're, you're doing comedy. Right. But, yeah, you don't want to rip off from them either. Have people notice, like, uh, that sounds like David Tell's material. Yeah, so. yeah. And sometimes it's just the style. It's the wording. It's not that you're doing an impression of him. It's just yeah. the, the, that it's called phrasing. You know, and, and Hedberg and, and a tell they had a certain kind of cadence and a phrasing to their jokes that people just kind of they saw that it worked and they jumped into it mm-hmm. um, so it's it's a common thing it doesn't mean you're a horrible person um, <laughs> you're getting you know because you'll see guys if this is the first time they just don't know but it, the key is getting on stage they've at least done that and eventually mm-hmm. somebody's going to say hey man you got to kind of figure out your own thing yeah. but at least in that process you've learned how to be funny and you've heard laughter and it's it's encouraged you to some degree All right. well Thanks. I'll you let bet. Somebody else sit. Absolutely. Anyone else? Anyone else? We. All right. We're gonna wrap it up here, <laughs> Gavin. When's your next time going to open mic? You're gonna hit a couple uh, more before the graduation show. Uh, yeah, cause I'm too nervous not to. I'm I'm scared to do the open mic. I'm more scared to not have prepared yeah. enough. Right. So I'm definitely gonna do that. Uh, I'm gonna attempt to not swear in the middle of it. Which I did, and I would like to apologize to that. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't planned. It well, just got- it just the, it was going down in the middle, and I sort of had one of those three-second pauses that felt like ten minutes, and yeah. I went, "Oh, does this sound awful?" I was like, "Cause it feels," and then I said, "Been terrible," and I was like, oh, "I like it just it." So I would like to first apologize for that but i would like to also not do that well, the, at the show the, micro- the <laughs> microphone is is like a uh, an honesty magnet if you're feeling it's, something it's going to come out at some point yeah and it was a weird thing because i wanted to i didn't know whether i should i was feeling it so strong i didn't know whether i should stick with my written stuff or go with my gut feeling which and then i got a huge laugh because i guess it seemed super honest or something you know uh but yes i am absolutely going back uh, terrified and all um, I was actually praying for a medical condition that would happen, like to, to actually stop me from getting up. So <laughs> hopefully this. Be careful what you wish for, man. Yeah, I was like maybe a seizure or something. I don't know. Um, but oh, yeah. yeah, I, uh, I, I'm definitely gonna do it. Can't wait. I cool. cannot wait. Well, that's gonna wrap up this campfire yeah. comedy campfire edition of the School of Last podcast. Some good questions. Uh, remember, those those are great questions. If you have questions at home, 
Uh, maybe you're in some part of the country and you're picking this up and there's not even a place to do an open mic or you don't even know what an open mic is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, send in your questions at schooloflaughs at gmail.com. Put podcast in the subject heading and, and let me know your questions and we'll get them answered on here. And uh, spread the word. Like us on uh, iTunes and, and yeah. subscribe on there and leave a comment. If you leave a comment and take a screenshot of it and email it to me, I will get you something for free that's worth more than free. <laughs> Sound like a good deal? It's a good joke, yeah. So once again, thanks for listening. Thank you very Our much. Our next one will probably have a full-length interview. Check yeah. them out, and we'll see you next time. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. For information on upcoming classes, check out schooloflaughs.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a ranking on iTunes. Send any questions or comments to schooloflaughs at gmail.com. And until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.